I just don't know where I can go. Fun getting low. Winter is a coming back and colder than the last. Pity for me, cold it can be when breezes blow with ice and snow. No wonder then I think time in a game. This is Sparky on Ice, the coldest podcast on the internet. Today is December 3rd, and I have been on ice for 60 days. Welcome back. It's been another warm and fun week here on the ice. Temperatures keep rising, the snow keeps melting, making small rivers and lakes all around station. Rumors of the sea ice breaking up are flying all over station, and a penguin was actually spotted by Hut Point last week. Just another spring week in Antarctic. However, nothing major happened at work this week. It was rather dull, which is how we like it around here, at least from a maintenance standpoint. I did, however, get to have some fun this week. We had our first ever Yellow Jeopardy in the galley, and we thought it would be nice to honor Alex Trebek with an Antarctic-themed socially distanced Jeopardy. I had found an Excel template that mimicked the Jeopardy board and wrote out a bunch of questions and answers about Antarctica. People could only be of teams of two and had to wear masks. It seemed that everyone had a good time. Uh, I had a couple of technical glitches, that I will work out before the next one if I do it again. I did get several compliments about how nice it was to have a change of venue and style for trivia. I also took a trip out to a place called Room with a View. It is a plateau at about a thousand foot elevation at the base of Mount Erebus. The only way out there is by a 45 minute snow machine trip. I had never ridden one before, so this was quite a treat for me. The trail out is marked, but the wind makes it pretty rough and the Saturgi which are like snow hills, are getting pretty big. I think I got some air on a couple of the bigger ones. We did have to cross near a crevasse, but we got in single file and followed the leader through that area. And we finally made it up, and the view was amazing. I could see all the way to the open water at the mouth of the sound. The weather was also perfect for this sort of trip. It was in the upper 20s and clear skies. I did forget to wear sunscreen and got a little bit of a burn on my face. We hung out for about an hour, took some pictures and videos, but mostly I just took in the beauty of the place. Then we started the journey home. I was able to use my phone to get some footage of part of that trip. As we got close to town, the wind picked up and it started getting cold. I guess we made it back just in time. The whole trip took about three and a half hours and was worth it. I posted a video on YouTube page earlier this week. A link will be in the notes. I am also getting better at bass. I am working on scales and have learned beginning to Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. I still have a long way to go, but I'm showing real improvement. I made a video of that also, and links will be in the notes. We did get a snowstorm of sorts move in today. Uh, It was kind of a surprise to me. I wasn't quite ready or dressed for it. Uh, The temperature dropped and the wind picked up, and it got pretty cold. Uh, We got a few inches of snow on the ground, and it's drifting, you know, five, six inches here and there. But, you know, after several weeks of warm summer-like temperatures, uh, getting down to 7 with a windshield of negative 13 was a bit of a harsh change for us around here. We weren't quite ready for that, but it is Antarctica, and that's what we have to deal with. Other than that, it's just been business as normal. Uh, we have two weeks of green and our Thanksgiving holidays this weekend. Looking forward to the two-day weekend and the dinner. Anyway, I guess I can move into history. In history, we're going to cover uh, Douglas Mawson's trip to a different part of Antarctica. Douglas Marson had been part of Shackleton's 1907 to 1909 
Nimrod expedition, which he was successfully reached the magnetic south pole. Robert Scott had offered Mawson a coveted place on the Terra Nova expedition. Mawson turned this down. Instead, he was planning his own expedition to chart 2,000-mile stretch of Antarctic coastline directly south of Australia. The expedition was supported by the Australian Association for the Advancement of Science, who contributed significant financial help. The other members of the expedition were largely from Australian and New Zealand universities. The ship was the Aurora, originally built in Dundee and bought from Newfoundland, and was refitted in London before selling to Hobart. The plans for the Australasian Antarctic Expedition were ambitious and far-ranging in terms of scientific data to be gathered, but did not involve any attempt to reach the South Pole. Oceanic survey was planned, and in particular, a survey of the Macquarie Islands, some 850 miles southeast of Hobart. The ship would then head for the Antarctic mainland, where a hut would be built and equipped for a party to spend a year. Another party would be dropped off further along the coast, would then be picked up the following year. The Aurora departed from Hobart on December 2nd, 1911 from Macquarie Island. Characteristically for expeditions at this time, wooden sailing ships with auxiliary engine power. The rough seas encountered caused anxieties. First night, the wind rose to a full gale. Large quantities of deck cargo began moving around, and the crew had to work out to secure the lashings during the storm. A plug in one of the freshwater tanks was washed away, and seawater washed in, resulting in drinking water being rationed afterwards. Rough weather continued for the next few days, and a huge wave carried away one side of the bridge, fortunately without any loss of life. Eventually, the weather abated, and on December 11th, Macquarie Island was sighted at the northern end of the island. They came across the crew of a recently wrecked ship, the Clyde, who would be returned to civilization by auxiliary supply vessel, the Tora, that was following shortly behind the Aurora. Establishing a base on Macquarie Island was the first objective to the expedition. A base hut and a wireless station were soon erected, manned by a party from the Aurora, which sailed again for the south on the 23rd of December. <coughs> They reached a place that Mawson named Commonwealth Bay on January 7, 1912. The boat was lowered and rowed towards shore. This was an area of great concentration of wildlife. Wattle seals and Adelie penguins were abundant in the thousands. This was the only point on the Antarctic continent that anyone had stood on in a distance of about 2,000 miles. And it was named Cape Denison and became the center of operations for the expedition. The Aurora was unloaded and work began on the building of huts. The Aurora would leave soon as she could drop off the uh, another field party. The eight-man western party led by Frank Wilde 1,500 miles further along the coast. It turned out Mawson had found one of the windiest spots on earth to establish a base. The winds grew in strength as the short Antarctic summer came to an end. By February, anything that was not tied down was blown away. When a man left the safety of the huts, it was vital to be wearing crampon or the metal claws that fitted to the bottom of the boots. Without them, they would be in real danger. Calm days or even calm periods were so rare that ordinary outdoor activities had to be conducted in fierce wind. Through March and April, the wind often gusted over 100 miles an hour, occasionally to over 200 miles per hour. The wind was to dominate the men's lives in this place. <coughs> an attempt to make an exploratory journey was made by Mawson and two companions at the end of February. They managed five and a half miles before they thought better of the weather conditions and turned back to base once again. One of the projects of the expedition was to build a radio mast. The job had started on April 4th, but not completed until September 1st due to weather, and on October 13th, the whole system was blown down, but they did get a few signals out to the Aurora and the Macquarie Island. The long, dark winter days were passed in routine preparation for the work and the sledging season to come. 
In August, a party of three led by Mawson struggled out and managed only to find five and a half miles before they dug ice shelter where they left a supply depot. This was named Aladdin's Cave and later was further filled with supplies. Other sledging parties set out with the weather was more favorable. One such party managed only two and a half miles before returning, though one covered 50 miles before returning frostbitten and exhausted. <coughs> By November, the weather had improved and five separate parties were planned. Mawson led what was to be the far eastern trek. He instructed each of the five parties leaving the base to back to be back by January 15th in order to meet the aurora that would be waiting for them. All the parties had tales of difficulties and hardship on their return, but none was to match that told by Mawson himself when he finally arrived behind schedule and given up as dead. And that is where we will leave our hero this week. Tune in next week for the rest of his harrowing tale. And that's... Uh, but I think that's going to do it for me this week. I don't have any new questions. I'm sorry. It's a little shorter episode than usual. Uh, I've been pretty busy this week, so I didn't get a whole lot done. But uh, hopefully next week we get a little more in detail with Mawson. And uh, I guess until then, stay warm. <laughs> <laughs>